Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome back to the First Cut Podcast. I'm your host, Rick Gaiman. And despite not having any quote-unquote real golf uh, for this week, we've got plenty of storylines to talk through. So I've assembled the team. Let's start. Kyle Porter, welcome. Good morning. Happy Monday. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a short week. It's a good week. Uh, PJ Tour is over. This is it's vacation almost, kind of. Uh, we got a lot going on. But, uh, yeah, I'm excited about this week and uh, excited what we have to talk about today. Yeah, there there is quite a bit to talk about despite, you know, the PGA Tour being done for the calendar year, the European Tour wrapping up with their race to Dubai, uh, but plenty of storylines. So also joining us, Mark Immelman is here. Mark, I've got a lot of interesting questions that I'm going to need your opinion on. But first off, good morning and welcome. How's it? Good to be with you guys again uh, and, and talk about vacation. For the first time in a long while, I don't have any golf lessons scheduled. There's no golf broadcast to be done. I'm going oh. Monday off, so Thanksgiving is coming a little early in the Immelman household right now, which is cool. Good for you. You are on vacation. I love it. Uh, well, we're going to make you work here for a little bit longer, so let's <laughs> let's let's hop into this. Okay. All right. Luckily, this is not broadcast because I'm kind of like I've just gotten out of bed. <laughs> Beauty. Well, let's uh, let's start with the RSM Classic last week, and uh, quite honestly, a little bit under the radar in terms of storylines going. Tyler Duncan uh, jumps out and fires the lowest round, or tied for the lowest round of the day on Sunday, uh, to capture the RSM Classic in a playoff after beating Webb Simpson, who can just not seem to win this golf tournament but uh the the real storyline out of this and there's just such a great note that we have is tyler duncan's biggest win before this week was the indiana state amateur title that's awesome uh started the week ranked 378th in the world will now be ranked uh 170th mark let's start with you because coming into the week there was a lot of talk about Brendan Todd going for his third straight win. You know, Webb Simpson uh, commanded a lot of the attention over the course of this week as well. To me, someone who was just following along with this, you know, Tyler Duncan just pops his name up at the top of the leaderboard and wins this thing. So is there a benefit or a perk involved to kind of flying under the radar, a little anonymity uh, in a golf tournament on, on, on the world's biggest stage? There is a little bit, uh, but I think back to a couple of years ago when, Tyler Duncan got a sponsor's invitation to, to play in the Safeway Open, and through two and a half rounds, he was atop the leaderboard. And, and, and I was out there on the call, and he looked like he was born to be in that place. He was calm. He was cool. He was collected. The game was there. And, and so that's sort of the preamble to my observation. Um, whether there's anonymity or not, you've still got to go out there and play. And as soon as one plays a good round, then, you know, the mind starts to wonder. And it's like, oh, well, you know, I can get the big finish, maybe the win. And then 
This is a guy that went, what was it, 54 holes without making a bogey. He made his yep. first bogey in the event on the first hole in the final round. So perhaps there's some advantage when you've got the spotlight shot on other people. But there's that personal spotlight that one shines on oneself. And when you're going well, your mind can start to wonder. But man, what a performance he put together, especially on that final day in some blustery cold conditions. And Seaside is, is visually imposing, that golf course. And he was, ball striking was there, mindset was there. To close with two birdies, I mean, you should get a free game if you birdie the eighth hole of that golf. <laughs> <laughs> and birdie to post and get in a playoff, there, there was some special stuff. And he looked like he had been there all of his life. Yeah, and I, I really love seeing a guy make a putt to win uh, an event in a playoff as, as opposed to someone missing a putt and, and giving it to him. But, Kyle, let's turn to you. I mean, Tyler Duncan is a guy that we have seen, you know, uh, uh, one round in every tournament or two rounds in every tournament. He's been able to kind of play well. But this is really the first time we've seen him put all four rounds together. And I believe he is now the fourth first-time winner in just the first 11 events of this year. So what are your takeaways from this fall season and Tyler Duncan capturing the RSM Classic? Yeah, it's kind of incredible. I, I was just writing about this and sort of juxtaposing Duncan to Webb. Webb, Webb in, you know, in his amateur career and his college, I mean, he won everything, right? He's won a U.S. Yeah. Open. He's won a Players all this stuff. And I mean, there's a, there's a great uh, sort of slip in, I was reading the transcript this morning in, in Duncan's press conference last night where the, uh, the question asker, I have no idea who this was, says, I apologize for not knowing this, but on the telecast, they said your last victory might've been the 2011 U S I mean, Indiana amateur, <laughs> because it's like at, at this level, when you're talking about the PGA tour, even in the fall, these are guys that like, one, uh, you know, USGA events growing up, AJGA, like USAMs, junior AMs, all this stuff. And this guy's like, I mean, I'm, I'm scrolling through his profile on the Purdue golf website. And it's like, I oh, was second team, all big 10. And you're like, what? Like, how, how does this guy get to a, a place where he's taking down a, a top 10 player in the world and Webb Simpson, in a playoff, it's just I think to me and and Mark talks about this a lot, and I agree with it. It always points back to how great golf is because you have to go out and actually do it, and that's what uh, Duncan did on Sunday. Yeah, it's it's really funny. I spend a lot of time in like the fun facts section of the PGA Tour player profiles, and yeah, you're right. Every guy's a multi-time All-American. They were the state champion four times in a row. Like these guys are have. Uh, quite the resume. Uh, but let's let's segue into Webb Simpson, Kyle. I mean, this guy, uh, another runner-up finish. He's got four runner-ups in his last 10 starts. He's the 11th ranked player in the world. He's been inside the top 10 on the money list the last two seasons. I'm starting to think he's one of the most underrated players on tour. Am I wrong? No, you're not wrong. I, I think when we think about Webb, everybody's like, oh, yeah, you know, nice guy, good dude, uh, won a U.S. Open. There was that bird thing. That was weird. Uh, he's like a, he's like one of the 12 best golfers in the world. And, I, I mean, I made a list here. So most underrated, I would go, this is just like scrolling through the, the world golf rankings and just super quick. So I would get a lot of surprises in here for you guys. Webb, uh, Cantlay. Uh, Bernd Wiesberger, who's ranked ahead of Ricky Fowler, by the way, unbelievable. Crazy. Uh, Sung Jay, our guy, and uh, Xander. I think those are. I think those are probably five of your most 
underrated guys in the world. Maybe you could throw John Rahm in there. I know we're going to talk about him in a little bit because as good as people think he is, I think he's even he's even better than that. But, uh, yeah, Webb's right there, and I think that he's just – he's so consistent, and he he went out as somebody who was the favorite of this event, and, and you know, he's almost – or he was leading after the first round. He, he's kind of going like – He's just like the guy to beat, and he goes out and plays like it, and that's really impressive. That's hard to do, and I just think he's somebody that we need to think about as like one of the 10, 12, 13 best guys in the world. Yeah, Mark, I'd love to get your opinion on Webb Simpson, and and also along with that, um, you know, the RSM Classic has kind of been a little a little something in the side of Webb. You know, he's been close so many times. He obviously plays very well here, but uh, haven't seen him raise the trophy yet. And, and listen, I know golf is as volatile and as crazy as everybody, but, uh, you know, is there a little something that Webb Simpson might be waking up this morning? Like, hey, can I can I win this thing? Like when Sergio was like, maybe I'll never, never win a major. <laughs> like, what are your what are your takes on that? Like this little, you know, thorn in the side of, of Webb Simpson? Well, uh, first off, we've got to give Webb Simpson some love. I mean, this guy, he was People forget he was dominant when he was in college at Wake Forest. I mean, this was the guy that was kind of the Cantonist kid and came out and had a good career, got the early major championship, and then fell on hard times with the putter issues and the anchoring and that sort of thing. But to speak to the mindset that this guy has and employs, when the ban came down, he broke that belly putter over his knee. He told <laughs> Because this was him saying, okay, I am all in now, no excuses, this is what I'm going to do. And the game kind of went sour some, and then he got that putter thing figured out. And now statistically, he is as sharp as anyone in the game. And aside from that, you, you now to contrast to Tyler Duncan for argument six, Webb wins. He used to in college, he used to yep. as an amateur. And now Webb is getting to the PGA Tour, no weaknesses, putters, putts great has that winner's mindset, and whenever this guy plays, I mean, you highlighted, Rick, the, the four runner-ups in the last 10 events. Th that is some golfing over there. And, and two finishing runner-up again at Sea Island. The course is kind of built for his style game. It's just in all four of those editions, there's been one guy that's done something a little more special than he has. So it's, it's not that he's not going to win. It's just that you know, fields are deep to Carl's point, and and you have that one guy that puts together a final round of 65, like Tyler Duncan. Birdies the last hole to get into a playoff. Look, Webb did the right things coming down the stretch. He birdies 15, he birdies 16, makes the good save on 17, makes a par on 18. Any other year, in those conditions, he may have won. It's just how golf goes, you know. Yeah, winning on the PGA Tour is extremely difficult unless your name is Tiger Todd. I mean, Brendan Todd, who for now the first time in a, basically a month looked human uh, in the final round at the RSM Classic. He shot a two over in the final round and ended up finishing in fourth. Um, Mark, I, I want to go right back to you with this because something came up on the telecast that I thought was really interesting and I wrote it down for this exact moment for you. One of the I don't remember who said, but one of the commentators discussed he described it as the weight of being in contention for three straight weeks where basically 12 rounds in a row. This guy has basically been in contention, had to deal with the stress, had to deal with everything that goes along with it. And I really wanted to get your take on the idea of that and having, uh, you know, we've talked about stress-free rounds before. Brendan Todd has not had a stress-free round in quite some time. And I made a note to ask you about that comment. 
Well, there is a wait, and I know for the listener to this go, they're, they're going like, well, whatever, man, these guys have a jet for seasons. And, and look, that's true, but uh, what you must realize for the guy in contention, they're normally in one of the last groups, let's say on Saturday, right? So they get done late, especially now in the fall where it gets dark early. Then you've got to go and do some media, which will take you, you know, depending on how noteworthy you are, anywhere up to an hour. Then you back in the car and then you go and grab dinner. And then you back to the hotel room. And so by this stage, it's 9.30 p.m., if not later. And then you sort of unpack it, unpacking all the stuff in your mind. And the mind is still running rampant. The body might be physically exerted from the long days. And then you've got to lay down there and try and go back to sleep and, and wake up refreshed for another challenging emotional and mental day on the final round. So there's that that's always brought to bear for the leaders is the, the not the lack of sleep, but the, the fact that it's hard to sleep. And, of course, fatigue makes cowards of us all, right? So, so there's that that's on the go. There's the playing under the pressure, which is demanding. Uh, and when you're playing, you know, sort of finishing 30th in whatever field you're playing in, there's just there's less pressure. Guys are free swinging and such. But when you're in contention, when you've got galleries, when you've got uh, TV cameras around, all that sort of stuff, it does add a weight to the whole job. And 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 winning is, is, is not easy. The fields are so deep. But the emotionality of it all, the mental challenges of it all, the just the physical exertion of it all, of it all is, is a real deal. And to do that, you know, almost three weeks in a row, it's incomprehensible for most human beings. Yeah, I, I, I really love that answer. And it, it makes a lot of sense. And, and Brendan Todd, Kyle, he's now up to 72nd in the world. Uh, he puts a bow on the, the fall season here. He's going to head into uh, 2020 as the FedEx Cup leader. Could you have imagined this in any way 12 weeks ago? Well, not when he started his his first uh, his first four events of the fall, miscut, 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 and you're like, not, oh, that's I'm... not a good start. Yeah, but it, but it, but at that point, you're like, oh yeah, you know, whatever, like it it happens, and he's not, you know, he's just is who he is, and then all of a sudden, you're like, wait a second, like is he gonna win three in a row? I mean, the uh, Justin Wright tweeted it out, but like the guys who have won three in a row. Over the last, whatever, half century, I don't know. His stats are absurd. But it, it's just, it's a joke of a list. And Todd was, you know, a few strokes on Sunday from making that happen. So I just, he has to be going into into 20 with with just a ton of confidence. And we're going to talk about this again later. But he's done this a little bit before, kind of a, a mini version of this. And, I, and I'll save the stat for later. But... Uh, it didn't go great afterwards. So we'll see how he responds in 20, but obviously he's off to a great start this season. Yeah, let's let's put a pin in uh, Brandon Todd because we do have him later in the show. And let's jump over to Dubai where John Rahm wins the DP World Tour Championship and the race to Dubai. Kyle, I believe it was Wednesday and when you were out here touting saying John Rahm's going to win this thing, I think it's time for him. What's your What's your take on this? Yeah, it seemed uh, after I saw the three wood from Rory on Thursday, I kind of recanted on that. <laughs> I saw your tweet. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, it, Rom seemed like I mean, look, like these these order of merit race to Dubai, whatever you want to call it, these guys on this list. 
it's it's a who's who list. I mean, it is it is the best guys, and it just it fit that Rom would join you know the the list of um, of Molinari and Rory and Stenson and Westwood and and all these different guys that wanted it. Just it made sense, and especially so because he won this tournament back in 2017. He's had the best, I think, the best second half of the year. Of anybody in golf, I think it's probably him, and and you, you probably throw Rory in there, maybe Brendan Dodd, I don't know, um, sure. but he's had the most, I think, under the radar, like just elite second half of the season, and it just made sense for him to kind of finish it off like this. Yeah, to that point, since the U.S. Open, he has absolutely piled up top fives and top tens worldwide. He has three wins uh, on the European Tour since the since the U.S. Open. And what I thought was interesting about this, Mark, is that he took six weeks off from his last start, which was that um, Open de España. And we kind of see this go both ways, right? You know, you, you want to play enough to keep your game sharp, but you don't want to play too much where we go back to that kind of fatigue aspect of it. I was, I was interested to see six, six weeks feels like a long time to me. Uh, but I'd, I'd love your opinion on kind of the balance between rest and, you know, staying in playing shape. Well, for someone like Ram, who, as you list as in contention all of the time the rest is is tantamount to success Uh, that that six week thing you highlight rick for me just highlights something else he's 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 quickly up to number three in the world this guy turned professional in the summer of 2016 okay since then he's amassed 10 wins worldwide he's contended in major championships hasn't pulled one off yet and so clearly he's the guy for the big stage Clearly, he doesn't back down for every, anyone. Uh, we saw that at the Ryder Cup in Paris when he took down Tiger head-to-head on Sunday afternoon in what turned out to be a crucial point in uh, securing the Cup for, for Europe. Um, so he's this big-time player with a big-time mindset. And his first start out, I called him there at the Quicken Loans at Congressional, which is a mean golf course. Okay, Did, Didn't he almost win that tournament, Mark? Dude, the guy was in contention. He finished second in the end, in the yeah. final. And I looked at this. And I remember my brother, who was doing Golf Central at the time, texts me and he goes, what do you got to say about this Ram? And I text back, I'm like, legit. This guy moves in both directions. He's powerful. And more than anything else, Rick, he's poised. And he's got this, uh, the mindset not of someone who's just playing to compete. He is playing to win. And, and, and that, to me, that guy can take six weeks off like a Tiger Woods and say, I'm not concerned about who I am, about my technique, about who's playing. I'm going to do what I got to do to make sure that when I tear it up, I bring my best because I'm a big game hunter. And he proved that in Dubai with what was a dominant performance. I mean, there was he had a number of good shots, okay? Uh, and he blew that six-stroke lead. I found it curious that all the commentators were hopping on that. But when the chips were down, that 18th tee shot there at that golf course is like single file with trees on the left and that uh, hazard, that, that stream that runs down the right. And the longer you hit it, the tighter it gets. Ram gets up there with driver and just f- absolutely threads one long down the fairway and can hit a long iron in there. That speaks to how this guy shows up when the reckoning is to be had. And, and so because of that, I, I feel like he can take six weeks off and not be phased. Yeah, it's it's really unbelievable to to add a little context to those awesome points, Mark. Uh, his first full season, 2017, he played 26 events, ended the year ranked fourth in the world. Like it, it's just unbelievable how good he was 
right out of the gate. Uh, three wins worldwide in each of his last three years. Kyle, I've run out of superlatives for John Rahm, so I'm going to defer to you and let you try to describe what this guy is. Well, the thing for me is he he wins all over the world, right? He wins he wins Tory, he wins in Dubai, he wins the Irish Open. You're like, I mean, it it just it, it travels like it's it feels travel, as Tiger would say. Uh, <laughs> it, it's it's so impressive. Because there's some guys that you're like, I don't know, man, can you win on different courses? And I, f- I don't feel like there's a course that he can't win on. I mean, he wins it at, uh, at La Hinch this year. And you're like, that is a, that's a wonky course. I mean, in terms of like professional uh, tracks. And then he goes out and wins at a really long course like Dubai, like Torrey. He's just – he's got every um, – he's got every shot. And I think for me, the next thing for him – is getting into like real contention on a Sunday at a major. He's got some good finishes, finished fourth at the Masters. He had a T he had a like a strange T3 at the US Open this year where you're like, "Wait, he was he was in it?" Right. which he yeah. kind of wasn't, but like I want to see like final pairing on a Sunday. I, I don't know that if I like care that he wins. Like I don't I don't I'm not demanding that. I just I want to see him like in that arena late uh, on a weekend at a major championship. I, I think that's kind of the logical next step for him. Yeah, I'm I'm very much looking forward to him uh, capturing one of those majors and really solidify. I mean, the, to think that the number three ranked player in the world is not you know a solidified stud in everyone's mind just because we you know grade people on majors so often but um let's let's put a pin in this here what we're going to do on the other side is we'll play stock up stock down with a handful of names after this 2019 fall swing so stick with us all right welcome back gentlemen uh it's time it is stock up stock down so I want to know uh, whether you're buying or selling on a handful of names that have come out of this 2019 PGA Tour fall swing. And quite frankly, I mean, the the, the real story here, and, and Kyle, you and I have talked about this, where uh, we would have made a lot of money buying buying Brendan Todd's stock uh, <laughs> six stock. weeks ago. Yeah, six weeks ago. It's, it's no longer a penny. Um, two wins. You know, he, he comes within with another top five at the RSM. Um, you know, Mark, this is where I really think this is going to be such an interesting point for Brendan Todd. Uh, a whole bunch of success uh, recently in a short period of time, and now he's got another one of these breaks coming up. Where, of course, he's, he can go play anywhere, but we might not see him for, I don't know, six, eight weeks, ten weeks, whatever he decides to start his season. So if you are coaching Brendan Todd, how do you keep him kind of in shape, ready to go, looking forward to the 2020 calendar year? All right. First off, I'm buying, and I'll. Tell you, <laughs> I caught up with his coach Bradley Hughes the other day, who's a tournament winner in the world's game in his own right. And Bradley said, when they got together, when Brendan hired him, the work was beginning to take shape, and they sat over lunch in Athens, Georgia, where Brendan lives. And over lunch, Bradley goes, Brendan looked at me, and look, he hadn't had success yet, and he looked me straight in my eyes and said, I will win again. And Bradley's like, yes, you will. And so this is a guy that is obviously really strong deep down. You know, all of the, the, the tough times he's had have galvanized him some. In terms of the break now, the work that they've done has just built an element of stability to his golf swing. And he's very club face aware. So if you've got a stable golf swing, you've got a swing that is not that hard to kind of, you know, iron out the wrinkles, if you will. In fact, earlier last week, 
and Bradley hooked up and and uh, Brendan just said, I just want to get the driver drawing a little bit more. This is after he was hitting fades down in Mayakoba to win over there. So that tells me that there's not too much going on. It's a simple, easy-to-apply approach. The guy's a winner. We've seen him win before. And, and now he's got the benefit of all this experience behind him. And I feel like he's playing with house money right now, Kyle. Yeah, I love it when guys uh, have won two in a row and they're like, you know what I need to do? I need to change my driver's <laughs> lane. <laughs> Uh, no, I'm, uh, I'm selling on Todd. How about that? We'll, we'll, uh, yeah, we'll disagree here. So I was looking back 14, 2014 was his other PGA tour win. He, he was kind of on a mini heater. He won, or excuse me, he finished in the top 10, five out of six tournaments, including the Byron Nelson, which he won. And after that stretch, after he kind of got off of that, uh, little six tournament stretch, he only had four top tens on the PGA Tour in the next four years until this fall. And so you struggle. I just, I don't, like, look, was his fall awesome? And am I glad for him and think he's going to have a good 2020? Sure. But I don't, I don't want to buy a guy when he's coming off a first, first, fourth because it's just, it's unsustainable. Like, he just, he can't sustain it at that level. So I'm selling Brendan Todd right now. Oh, I've got to say the golf swing is different to when he won at Byron Yeah, Byron's. yeah. Okay? The, that's the fair. And, and I feel like the way he's hit driving it right now, um, there are certain golf courses, and you'll see one early over at Sony that will be right in his wheelhouse. Yeah, and, I, and, and speaking of Sony, maybe it's a Jimmy Walker situation. I think somebody brought that up last week. Maybe, maybe he just goes like five or six wins over the next two or three years. Yeah, I guess I'll break the tie here. Um, I, I agree with Kyle uh, in, in a standpoint of buying after a win-win fourth is difficult, but I wow. do agree with Mark that this is a different player, and I am cautiously buying Brendan Todd. I think now that he's got, uh, you know, uh, he's got money in the bank, he's got the tour card locked up for a while, he's basically put himself into East Lake already. Where he's going to be able to make the schedule he wants to make, and as as kind of simple as it sounds, you hit fairways, you hit greens, you roll a couple of putts in. I'm pretty excited about him, so I will cautiously buy on Brendan Todd. <laughs> Um, the next guy here, I cannot feel the same way about, uh, it's Jason day who in this 2019 fall swing, uh, you know, a 20, a 22nd at Zozo, a 31st at the CJ cup, a missed cut at Mayakoba. And we've all the three of us have chatted about, uh, what he means to this president's cup team coming up in just a few weeks and how his game has kind of, um, fallen off and to, to put the numbers behind that. He's currently ranked 31st in the world, Mark, and this is going to be his worst year-end ranking since 2012, uh, where he was 37th in the world. So so Jason Day, as far as the world rankings go, um, almost into un uncharted territory in the last half decade or so. So I'm, I'm curious to hear if you're buying or selling on Jason Day. Unless he puts Colin Swatton right back on his golf bag, uh, I'm mm. selling Jason Day. Uh, the you know, he's been bouncing around between buddies on the golf bag there. Colin, thankfully, is still a swing coach, and they, 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 they hook up once in a while to make sure that the game is appropriate. But Colin said something to me that I really appreciated, and he said, they've got buckets they work towards. There's an emotional bucket, a mental bucket, a, a physical bucket, and all those buckets have to be full. And, and Jason, obviously, there's the, the family thing. And right now, when he's on the go golf course, he, 
he looks like he's having fun, but it just doesn't look convincing to me. So uh, I'd, I'd love to see Colin back on the bag, in which case I feel like he can become a threat again. But right now, I, I'm, I'm going to have to sell, and I hate to say so, because we need him to play well in that President's Cup in just a few weeks' time. Yeah, I think this is going to be a real breaking point year for, for Jason Day. Kyle, buy or sell? Uh, I am – I'm selling. Uh, I, I don't – I think the thing that concerns me is that it's not like he, he kind of is who he is from T to green. He's been like 50th, 54th, 56th, the last three or four years. And the problem for him in 19 was just that his, that his putter finally cooled off. I mean, he was the best putter in the world for, I don't know, like 13 through 16 basically. And yeah. he, he hasn't been the last two years. And I just don't know. I don't know. Maybe that's something you regain. Maybe I, 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 I think that's a difficult one to answer because it's not the same as Tita Green. And and he was he was great from Tita Green when he became number one in the world. Like that that 2000. When did he become number one? 16, 15, whenever it was. He was like a top ten player from Tita Green, and he's not anymore. And I just I don't know that I see that getting better as he gets older, especially with kind of the injury history he's had. And I don't know. I I, I don't see him regaining it the way that some other guys have. Yeah, that's a round of sells for us on Jason Day. Kyle, to your point, I think, you know, a, a hot putter or a really good putter can mask a lot of things, which is a perfect segue into our next buy sell. Mm. Jordan Spieth, uh, three events in this fall season, mixed bag, eighth at the CJ Cup, 66th at the Zozo, 43rd at the WGC HSBC. Kyle, for kind of like stat heads like you and I, no strokes gain data at any of those. And from what I understand, you are holding a lot of speed stock <laughs> in did. your account. And I'm wondering if it is time to sell or you're just going to hold through all this. Well, the correct answer for you guys is that you actually can't buy any because it's all gone. Like I've already, I've already <laughs> you bought it all. <laughs> I, I own uh, one. I own like 99% of the speed stock. I think uh, Chris Solomon, no way up owns the other 1%. Um, and Notice that wears Under Armour clothing as well, right? Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> I uh, I don't feel I don't feel great about it. Here's the thing with Speed, though. Like, I don't know that there's ever been a guy that's won that much at that age that that it's like just completely disappeared on. And so that's sort of what I'm clinging to. Look, if the ship's going down to the bottom of the Atlantic or the Pacific, I'm I'm going to be on it. It's going to be a Titanic situation, and uh, I'm going to be going down with it because I refuse to sell any of my speed stock. And whenever he is wearing the green jacket to a um, Texas football game next fall, that's from 2020 and not from 20, whenever he won it, 15, you guys can, uh, you guys can replay this podcast. <laughs> oh, oh boy. Okay. Well, I don't know if there's any stock left to buy Mark, but if there was, um, where are you t heading into 2020 on Jordan speed? You see, this is a difficult one for me and I'll tell you why. Um, as a young golfer, I've always aspired to Bob Jones, who learned from various guys, Stuart Maiden and company. And, and the one lesson Bob Jones got that turned him into a winner was if uh, Walter Travis said to him, if you show me a man who can putt, I will show you a match for any man. <laughs> now, Spieth right now is putting like he was when he was dominant on tour. But I just – I look at the schedule, Rick, and 
he's not going to go to places where you can hide from the driver. He's probably opening the season at Torrey Pines, and you better drive it around there. And then he's going to go down the way to Riviera, and you better drive it around there. And, and, and there are all these big dog golf courses where guys like DJ and Rory and, and Justin Thomas and, and this sort of crowd who drive the ball well are going to have the leg up. So can he compete with them when he gets on? Absolutely. But then there was the great philosopher Lee Trevino who said, there are two things that don't last. Professional golf are dogs that chase cars. <laughs> Professional golf is the chip and putt for pars. Okay. <laughs> so, so I'm selling Jordan Spieth right now, and I'm probably going to regret the sell, but I'm going to do it. I'll buy, I'll buy Mark stock too. <laughs> you can buy mine too, because I'm also out on Spieth. Um, I, I agree. And, and if we were looking strictly at, you know, official world golf ranking numbers, Spieth, who is now down to 44th in the world. And even from that standpoint, like he's not going to get the, um, like the hero world challenge points. Cause he's not going to be there. We talked about it with Phil Mickelson. When you start dropping out of like the top 50 in the world and you don't get those invites to WGCs, like those points are a lot harder to come by. Uh, so if strictly official world golf rankings, I'm a little bit nervous on speed, but yeah, it, it's, it feels like he's working very hard for par all the time and that's a tough place to be. So I'm out on speed. You can have it, Kyle. Yeah, I'll take it. He was, uh, how about this stat? He was seventh. I think this was his first year on tour. Seventh in strokes and driving in 2013. It was 176 last uh, last season. So out of like 190 or whatever. I mean, there's only so many guys that qualify on yeah, that. So it's, it's tough. I'll keep buying. <laughs> yeah, the price is real cheap, Kyle. You're getting a good deal now. Um, <laughs> all right, let's run through a couple quick of, of the uh, the Corn Ferry Tour grads. Um, Scotty Scheffler, number 67 in the world. He's played seven PGA events this uh, fall season, seven on seven in cuts, three top tens. I could not be buying more stock on 23-year-old Scotty Scheffler. Kyle, you know how I feel about him. Buy or sell on Scotty Scheff. Uh, I'm buying. I think who's the highest ranked uh, former Texas Longhorn golfer at the end of 2020 is is uh, is an interesting. If you can bet on that, there's probably somewhere you can. Uh, I have, I have no idea, but uh, that would be an interesting bet. Yeah, with how quickly Scotty's probably going to run up the rankings, Mark, we'll throw it over to you. The kid is 23 years old. Uh, his game seems much more mature than that. Buy or sell on Scotty Shuffler. Big time buy, and and you you said it earlier with Mickelson falling out the top fifty, Scotty quickly up to sixty seventh in the world at the time of this podcast. You'll play early next year, and you'll probably garner more points, which gets him in the big World Golf Championships events. This boy's on the up, and and I'd be prepared to wager to your statement, Carl, that he may be the low guy on the rankings, uh, the low Texas guy at the end of next season. Well, Cole, Cole Hammer might pass Jordan Spieth at this point. So. <laughs> yeah, it's not a, it's not a Spieth versus Scotty Scheffler head to head. It might be like a Cole Hammer Scotty Scheffler bet. Um, okay, this is an interesting one because um, Lonto Griffin, who we know captured uh, a win earlier this season at the Houston Open, he kind of. I don't want to say he limped to the to the finish line of of this year, but the results weren't as good in the last handful of tournaments, but was awesome to start the 2019 season. Griffin does have a much bigger sample size to kind of work with, which Kyle, I think this is kind of similar to your your Brendan Todd analysis when, you know, we've had bigger sample size sample sizes to look at this guy buy or sell Lonto Griffin. 
I'm going to sell. It's it's less about, I mean, it's a little bit about his performance, but it's more so about how he got there, and that's just with the putter. I mean, he's 12th on tour in putting right now. I think he's 12th, something like that. Top, Yeah, he's 12th. So he's gained a stroke around with his putter, which is like a if you finish there, that you'll be number one on the tour. And yep. that's just not, you can't keep that up. And so I'm, I'm selling Lanto Griffin. I like him, but I'm going to sell him. Hey, Mark, Kyle, I'll buy that argument. You're going to have to sell Spieth too, because uh, haven't you just made some putter observation and the ball striking hasn't been there? Well, the the thing with Spieth is that he's, over the course of his career, been like a top 25 ball striker. And he's like, a, he's like behind, I mean, you probably gained more strokes on the PGA career <laughs> than he did last year from T to green. So there's room for, there's room for improvement. Yeah, there is. Uh, sorry, Rick. I didn't mean no, to... the, the, uh, the thing with speed is that he's too deep on it now, Mark. He has to keep going back I'm, to that. I, but... <laughs> again, I'm going to the bottom of the ocean with this thing. He's committed to this. Uh, Lonto Griffin, Mark, is this a flash in the pan early in the 2019 season? Like we sometimes see guys have a good fall and then they go quiet for a while. Or are we buying this, uh, this guy moving forward? Um, you use a good term there, flash in the pan, although that can be sort of misconstrued. But, you know, a little while back is uh, at at the Safeway Open in the fall, there was a guy called Emiliano Grillo who just was, I thought, a superstar. And, and Grillo's game's fallen on hard times a little bit, and that's just indicative of not just the golfer but the, the competition. And so uh, uh, it was a cool win. It's a fantastic story. Lanto Griffin, he's set up for the rest of the year. Heck, he's set up for his career basically after a win. But but I'm gonna sell. Yeah, I think that's I think that's fair. And then we'll wrap with one one last quick one here in the buy sell for the Corn Ferry Tour Garage. Zinzun Zhang, who is number one twenty eight in the world, he has five wins worldwide since twenty fourteen. But it's been a bit of a mixed bag on the PGA Tour this season. Missed cut, sixtieth, seventh, sixteenth, fourth, thirty eighth, forty eighth. Missed cut. That is a mixed bag. Kyle, buy or sell on Zhang. I'm purchasing. He's got 28 rounds played in the fall, and he is uh, top 25 uh, in in strokes gained tee to green. So he's a guy that, I mean, he he's gaining 1.2 strokes around. It's it's just it's not a it's not a small sample size to be honest compared to the rest of the guys that are measured. And yeah. I think that if you're if you're existing at that number, you're going to have some success. Is he going to go out and win a you know two or three tournaments? No, but. I really, uh, I really like him, and you know, if you look at the guy uh, who last year uh, finished first uh, on the Corn Ferry regular season points list, that was Sung J M, and so he, he's in good, he's in good company in terms of like what the um, just the guys that have gone before him that have kind of been in that position. We certainly like Sung J here, uh, Mark. How do we like Zhang comparatively? Well, if you go back and look in the history of these podcasts, there was a less accomplished host than you, uh, Rick, who hosted this thing. His name, name was Carl Porter. And... <laughs> <laughs> Talking about Corn Ferry grads, and Carl said to me, who do you like coming out? And I said, Zigzag. I, I love his game. He's been on the PGA Tour before, went back through the Corn Ferry Tour, and I highlighted him as someone to pay attention to. So just like Carl and his ship, I'm going to stay on my ship. But this guy's stroke average is 70.7 right now. And, you know, you can look at strokes gain metrics and such. If you add together four 70s and that's your stroke average, that's eight under par. And there are certain places that you're going to have your good weeks and be lower and other places that if you do just that, you'll be fine. So I feel like Zhang is going to just continue what he's doing. I'm buying. 
I love it. All right. I've got a couple other quick topics for us to get through before we put a bow on this. And there's nothing like wrapping up a calendar year uh, without looking forward to the first full week of April. So I want to turn our attention to Augusta and kind of uh, see if there's anybody we're interested in terms of who could possibly win this event. So to kind of put this into perspective, uh, the big boys in terms of the betting market have moved a little bit over the last few months. Brooks is still your favorite at nine to one, followed closely behind by Rory at 10 to one. Tiger is always going to be up there at 12 to one. And the the run that Rom has been on has uh, dropped his number pretty significantly. He's down to 14 to one. So those are your four big time uh, betting favorites for this event. So Kyle, we'll start with you. Um, is there anybody from that list or anybody that you're looking for trending towards Augusta come April? Uh, I'm going to, I think I might call my shot right now. Do it. Okay. We were ready for this. <laughs> I'm, re- I'm ready. I'm writing it down. I'm going, uh, I'm going, well, no, I just, <laughs> I mean, I'll probably end up picking Roy, but uh, I'll go X-Man Xander masters, wow. masters champ T2 last year. 25 to one is a good number right now. I, I think people just don't realize how, I mean, he made a leap last year. Like we talk about this in other sports where you, you, you go from talk about a lot in, I think maybe the NBA, like you go from your rookie year to uh, your, yeah. your second or third year and guys just make leaps. We're seeing that with, with Luka Doncic right now. Right. And <sighs> I, I think that this is the first ever Xander Shoffley's Luka Doncic comparison. Maybe the last <laughs> you're breaking ground, but uh <laughs> he he made a he made a leap in terms of of his consistency from from tee to green and he's just he's really really good and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna call him as my uh, 2020 Masters winner. All right, I don't mind that at all. I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm a huge J Justin Thomas fan. JT like I could if we were buying stock on JT, I don't at all. Um, but the the experience that you need around Augusta has me a little bit interested in Matt Kuchar at sixty to one. You know, he's he's piled up top tens there, just hasn't been able to to don the green jacket. So Mark, um, you know, uh, is Rory gonna get the career Grand Slam? Can Tiger go back to back? Is it someone else? Who should we be looking for in Augusta? Well, look. If Rory did did win, then I'd happily spend the hundred dollars I'm going to put on John Rahm because this guy. We've just talked about this. He is yeah. a big game hunter. He he knows how to play Augusta National. He seems, if I watch the interview um, that after the win at, uh, at uh, in Dubai, he seems like he's almost driven by Seve Ballesteros and Jose Maria Olathabal was the same way. He's got two wins there. Sergio finally got his. The Masters is special to everybody, but especially special to the, Span- the Spanish folks. And, and with Seve being such a hero around those areas, and every Tuesday night they, they sort of drink a toast to him at the champion's dinner, um, I feel like John Rahm gets the, wins the green jacket, and that'll make me $1,400 richer. <laughs> I, I like that. And Rom, you know, his first start in Augusta was 2017. He tied for 27th, which first timers we know don't win this event. Uh, backed that up with a fourth place finish in 2018 and a T9 in 2019. This guy seems to like the course. I would love to see him don the green jacket uh, this April. And then, gentlemen, let's wrap up with one last item here. Um, let's look to the LPGA Tour. So, Sung Young, Se Young Kim, excuse me, wins the CME Group Tour Championship for a record $1.5 million. And the, the story out of the LPGA Tour is the 2020 schedule gets released. It's got record purses. It's got more events. 
this seems like a really um big step forward for the LPGA tour. Kyle is, is, is this where, uh, one, I want to get your reactions to the increased prize pool and, and the increased events, but like, is this an opportunity where we're just going to see a, a bigger spotlight on the LPGA tour? Maybe they partner with some of these fantasy websites or I don't know, gambling as, as gambling becomes more integrated in our U S ecosystem here. Like, is this a, a launching point for the LPGA tour? I don't know. I, you know, I, I did, I felt uh, just in covering golf broadly this year, more of a an emphasis on women's golf. And I don't know if that's – I don't know what that was. I don't know if it's the Augusta National Women's Amateur. I don't know if it's uh, more of a personal interest. They went to some cool courses this year. You saw the um, – what was the course down in Charleston that they went to? Um, I can't remember. It might have been Charleston Country Club. But whatever it was, it was a great course. And I just I, – I don't know – I, I don't know. I don't know if it's like, a, I don't know if we're going to look back and be like, Oh, 2019 big jumping off point. But I do think, and this was talked about after the tournament yesterday, that, it, that everything's just headed in the right, right direction with the LPGA. And maybe that's wrong. Maybe in 15 years, we look back and say, well, that was a dumb statement, but it does <laughs> feel like, uh, that things are headed in, in a good, healthy direction for, uh, for LPGA golf. Yeah, I could. I, I think it's funny when you said that. Like, I could probably name more golfers on the LPGA tour now than I ever could. Which I don't know if that's a, a measurement or a metric of anything, but it is interesting that there is more of a spotlight. And I wonder if uh, Mark, man, correct me if I'm wrong here. Didn't the when it was, I guess it was the web.com tour at the time, try to kind of offset with the PGA tour where they like start on Sunday and end on Wednesday so that they could get more eyeballs. I feel like. You know, you've got the golf channel. There should be live golf on every day of the week. And I wonder if the LPGA Tour might try something like that to get us more live coverage. Well, you've got to credit Mike Warren. I mean, the com commissioner, since he's been at the helm, this tour has just grown in leaps and bounds. And and he's the kind of guy that's not afraid to try, you know, and to, to venture into uncharted territory. So perhaps that might be the thing. For me, it's the, the personalities that are coming to the fore and perhaps they come into the fore because there's added emphasis and coverage but you've got some nice looking players and some fun people and and they are so accommodating to the fans to me you know i don't sound like i follow nascar but i do and and it's such a fun fan experience to follow nascar because you can get almost into the cockpit of the car and, and i get the same sense here with the lpga tour uh, with the pga tour it's like you've got big guys and they're on the other side of the rope and they'll sign your autograph if if you're lucky to, to get amongst the throng where on the LPGA tour the, the the players are really engaged with the fans and I think the fandom appreciates that sort of stuff so I think it's it's a pretty cool property right now so I expect that you know we're going to see continued growth from where we currently are who's your guy in NASCAR Mark <laughs> well it, would it be kind of bad if I said Jimmy Johnson you know, uh, Carl Edwards, my, my wife worked for Affleck Sports Marketing for a while. So I've always followed Carl Edwards, too, because he drove the Affleck car for a while. So I, I just like watching it. I, I like to listen to the – I mean, isn't it crazy how a guy can be going at that speed, you're doing an interview with an announcer. <laughs> That's just completely nuts. And I appreciate that sort of stuff. I love it. Well, I think that is a perfect uh, – actually, no, let's do this to wrap it up. This is not on the outline, so this is coming right at it. it I thought is, that was it, perfect. <laughs> it is. It's Thanksgiving week, so let's do this. Let's do, um, let's do what you're most thankful for in the world of golf. 
how about that? And I'll start just so you guys have time to figure this out. Um, I'm just very thankful with how deep the PGA Tour and golf is in general. I think to, to Mark's point about the LPGA, the 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 star power and the golfers that that we have are really incredible. Almost all of them seem like really good guys. Um, I think the tour, especially now that Tiger is is back in the winner's circle, is in such an awesome place. So that is what I'm thankful for in the world of golf. Mark, what say you? Um, well, I'm, I'm thankful for this uh, first cut podcast. It's uh, my source of information <laughs> for golf. Certainly, I read all of his stuff. But me personally, I'm thankful for fast golf balls and forgiving golf club heads. There you go. <laughs> I love it. Uh, Kyle, wrap us up here. What What are you thankful for in the world of golf? I'm thankful for uh, Brooks setting the table for 2020. <laughs> Rory Brooks, 2020. Let's go. Every major. It's- it's going to be awesome. Beautiful. Well, that's uh, Kyle Porter. Follow him on Twitter. It's at Kyle Porter CBS and Mark Immelman. It's uh, at Mark underscore Immelman. I'm Rick Gaiman. It's at Rick Run. Good gentlemen. Thank you so much. Enjoy the Thanksgiving. Don't eat too much. Thanks, Happy Rick. Boys. All right, boys.